definitely. It gave me time to do that and also the resources. So when you're going through something, you're actually questioning, why am I doing it this way? How am I going to deliver this to a class? And understanding the the basis of it, knowing your chemicals, knowing what's in your makeup, knowing the basis of it, what works with what, what counteracts with what, that sort of thing, how you can layer things, what um, makeup sits nicely on camera versus theatre, those sort of elements. So you really need to help the student understand that as well. And if you don't understand it, you can't deliver that content. And products are changing all the time. Like cameras are changing all the time. So you've got to keep up with what's going on. You're listening to An Actor and a Mic, a podcast focused on the often tumultuous but spectacular journeys of Australian artists. And we have finally made it into double digits. It's episode 10. Did not think we were going to make it this far, but I am pleased that we did. Uh, So congrats to me, I guess. (laughs) And thank you for all the people that have uh, come along for that journey. So in this episode, I interview Natalie Stanfield an all-round makeup artist. Now, Nat has a firm grip on her sector's workings and is definitely worth a listen to if you're wanting to become a makeup artist in the industry, if you're even interested, or it's also interesting from an actor's standpoint because we do speak about things that actors do that grind makeup artists' gears. Uh, We also speak about the difference between screen and stage makeup, and we touch on what teaching makeup artistry is like and how the students approach things from their own angles. Uh, It was lovely to catch up with Nat again and see her side of the industry and what that is like. So yeah, I'll see you guys in the mid-roll. Bye. Welcome to episode 10 of An Actor and a Mic. My name is Griffin Walsh, and today I am joined by Natalie Stamfield. So I've been looking forward to interviewing someone from the makeup world for a while, and today I finally get to do that. Uh, Natalie has found herself in the makeup department of both film and television series, including Project Eden, St. Andres, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Jim Jeffries Show, and more. Um, but her makeup artistry skills expand on more than cinemagraphic makeup. So thank you for joining me today, Nat. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it, as I said. Um, how's how's your life been throughout all this crazy? Oh, interesting, to say the least. You know, everyone's up in the air. Lots of things have changed. I, I'm meant to be on set, you know, filming a feature film. However, the actor couldn't get in from overseas and the others couldn't fly in from interstate. So that kind of puts everything on ice. And we're not sure when if things are going to open up or change and develop from there. So basically in a holding pattern at the moment. Jeez. Yeah. So it's so it's really affected you because you can't go on set anymore or anything yeah. like that. Everything got shut down really quickly. I was on set um, when everything just started to happen and it completely changed the whole vibe. Everyone was very much social distancing. All the lunches were in a box now. There's no sort of interacting, hanging out at lunchtime. Everything was sanitised. Everything's wiped down. Everyone's sort of like giving everyone the evil eye, like, oh, yeah, how's it going? <laughs> sort of thing. But we've just got guidelines that have come out from um, a lot of industry bodies in Australia have, have come together and um, have been kind of like sort of following that and it's good we now have some guidelines to set to we know what we're working towards in the meantime I've been doing some background on you know looking what America's doing look what Europe's doing look what the guidelines are over there internationally just mm-hmm. so we're all on the same page and and what's required especially in hair and makeup because we are so like tightly interactive with the actors we uh you know and each other it's it's a really you know up in the, literally up in their face so yeah. um <laughs> getting to to work out a safe way and working through these protocols and what's required um so we're ready when everything does open up again jeez mm, right okay so what what are some of those like just tell us some is it okay. like how, how do you put makeup on someone's face while social distancing correct yeah so that is a challenge to start with <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I feel like i need to walk in with like a biohazard suit and yeah you know, <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know how, you know, finessing that will be, but yeah, all seriousness, it is, it is very a serious topic. Uh, lots of people are getting sick, you know, especially overseas. We're really lucky because we're in lockdown and have quite minimal effect here. However, we still need to be, you know, at the, the pinnacle of our game and not have any cross-contamination, not have anyone being infected. Uh, and doing all that we can do to maintain our level of, you know, sanitization. So within saying that, yes, some of the protocols that have come out are basically one actor to one makeup artist. Oh, yeah, and, right. Yep. So everything needs to be sanitized and cleaned and put back in Ziploc bags, closed boxes, and then it's open fresh in front of an actor. And there are, you know, talking about having towels on chairs and having a, a complete sterilization when they leave everything goes into a, uh, a bag that's completely sealed in a box or a bin that has a lid and then that gets off and it goes and gets cleaned uh, everything else is disposable so that then goes into you know toxic waste I don't know where it ends up going <laughs> yeah right okay Jesus that's yeah, and one set of brushes for each, you know, actor, hair brushes, uh, you know, all sorts of equipment just dedicated to the actor. Only they and that makeup artist touch, you know, their equipment, uh, gloves, uh, visors, you know, masks if possible. And it also takes 10 minutes to like decontaminate and sanitise the whole station once they're gone. So it's not just like get in, get out, you know, rush, 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 rush them through. It's more like, well, now we have to wait for that whole, you know, antibacterial to set in and that takes a good 10 minutes, resetting, and then another actor can come through if that's the way they're going to run it or you go to the actor's trailer. So uh, because we haven't opened up as yet, that is what it seems like it will be the protocols on set. It'll be a lot slower. It will be a lot more de like deliberate no, and only one person will look after like that actor. So much more contained. Wow. Okay. That sounds pretty intense. I mean, I know it's necessary, but yeah, that, that definitely will slow things down on set. I hope, I hope everyone is understanding of that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's part of it. Exactly. AD's not yelling at you. Where are they? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> again, you know, with making it look good. And also, yeah, having them understand that it's obviously cost is going to go up because of, you know, the time as well as all the, you know, disposable as well as like each, you know, a lot of productions are talking about one makeup kit per actor you know that sort of thing so mm. it's it's a wait and see basically you know what the budget is what we've got to work with uh it may cut down on people it may extend people you know we may have someone who's just dedicated to sanitizing the whole time yeah. so um yeah it's it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out Yes, interesting. That's the word. Yes. <laughs> so I I start all of my interviews going like all the way back to your schooling years because I like I like to know artists' journeys and sort of where they've come from and where they're going, where they perhaps want to go. Yeah. So within school, did you always have an interest in makeup and and that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah. In school, I was uh, very drawn towards creative the arts I was drawn towards you know photography and and that sort of expression of self so uh, I was lucky my mom was a high fashion model so I grew up in the industry that was very creative it was very artsy uh open-minded free-flowing lots of you know pop of color and, and that sort of thing so uh being an only child I did a lot of coloring in you know, yep. sort of stuff to, to you know get the time by <laughs> and um yeah definitely was something I was always attracted to and I always used to sit there and watch my mom you know put on her mascara and lips and then see other models and things like that so I guess that's where the fascination started and then it just became second nature you know sort of I secretly wore makeup to school that no one knew about I went to quite a strict you know private school so that was interesting I didn't like my yeah. freckles so I mean I, must, I got away with it for years oh nice so you must have been good hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah right and then so out of school where like once you finished school where did yeah. you head well, I was an exchange student in Europe, so that also oh. changed everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I ended up living in Sweden for a year, so that was, that was really cool. And then when I came back, I didn't want to go back to the private school I was in, so I went to um, TAFE and did a hospitality diploma and my um, high school certificate. So that was good. That was fun. I worked in hospitality for a little while, and then I went travelling overseas, had a bit of a gap year, and then came back and decided I wanted to reset my life, so then became a massage therapist. And mm. that was something I really loved and really loved helping people. I mean, I did a lot of athletics and sport as a child, so I kind of had a bit of a background in that as well. I also felt that I wasn't fulfilling my creative side, my, my artistic side. Um, it was 
something that I felt I had a need to or a yearning to to get back into. So that's sort of when I moved to Queensland. I started to relook at, you know, resetting my life again and having a sea change. And that's when I got back into, you know, looking into makeup and beauty courses and, and going from there. Oh, right. Okay. So that's that was kind of your what from 18 to mid 20s? Yeah. yeah well, I started my, I opened my own business uh, when I was just 19. So <laughs> nice. I was, yeah, as I was part of a doctor's surgery, so I sort of had, you know, lots of sports clients and physios and things like that. So I, I jumped in quite quickly into the deep end, um, and that was good. And then, yes, then when I I moved um, to Queensland, yeah, in my, in my mid-20s, I thought, you know, I'm going to reset and then, you know, go ahead and uh, basically start a second career. Yeah, geez. What, what was the prompt to move to Queensland? Because you were in Sydney, weren't you? Yeah, yes, I grew up in Sydney. Uh, we'd always like holidayed up here as a child, and um, my parents' friends had a holiday house here, so we we came up and hung out at the beach, and, and you know went to the plaza and you know, stuff yeah. like that. As and then yeah, my my parents retired. I you know broke up with the guy I was with at the time, and yeah, all my friends like one moved to Chicago, one moved to LA, and one moved to London. I'm like, okay, great. Well, what am I doing with my life? So I thought, well, let's you know sea change. Um, reset and yeah that's when I started looking at courses up here I did a beauty course and a makeup course and then I decided I really loved it and then I went and did my cinemagraphic diploma wow. and hairdressing after that so yeah it's uh I always love learning keen to see what's out there what's new what's happening in the industry and it's ever evolving so I'm glad I'm a curious person because it's kept me wanting to know more wanting to keep up and and you know be on trend yeah of course that's what a massive move. Like, I know, I, I can't really, yeah. when I moved from the Sunshine Coast to Melbourne, I thought that was a big move, but I was only there for a year because I was like, this is too hard and came back up here. So the fact that you stuck it out and then while you were up here, you were furthering your education. That's, that's actually awesome. That's really yeah. cool. Well, there was, I mean, it wasn't like straight, easy, you know, kind of transition. Uh, there was uh, quite a bit of time where I found that uh, everyone's really lovely here, but quite clicky. So if, unless you went to school or uni or you work and being a freelancer, you're not hanging out with people like every day in the, in the workplace. So it was a bit like, okay, so where's all the work and where's all the people, you know, kind of a thing. So because I had worked and, and studied beauty and when I was studying beauty, they knew I had a massage background. They asked me to do some teaching with in the college and I did some, some training and things like that coming in. And then one of the students from there actually worked at TAFE. And I had my TAE training and assessment. And then that's when they said, oh, look, hey, this, this person's really good. They're a makeup artist. They, you know, are also a massage therapist. They can do, you know, lots of beauty things. So they, TAFE called me and asked me if I'd like to come and teach for them and do their cert too in makeup. So that happened quite easily in that gap kind of transition. And then my film work started to take off from that. Right. Okay. So you actually ended up teaching in TAFE? Yes. Right. Okay. What, what was that like? It was amazing. Actually, yeah, it was really great in the fact that so many students from different backgrounds, diversity, and it really was that culture of like expression of art. That was uh, quite exciting for me at the time. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, go to, you know, go, get up and go to work. It was like, okay, we're doing this today. Now, what have you come up with? And what have you come up with? And we um, we did some fun stuff. You know, I, whenever I had a commercial or a, a bridal or, you know, a, a little TV sort of thing going on, I'd try and get as many students to come in as assistants and help just to get onset experience or real world life experience. And and it's great to, to see the, how they responded. You know, that was nice to see the the creativeness and the buzz, but, you know, some are worlds apart. Some are really into, like, Instagram looks right through to, you know, gore and horror and special effects. So, um, you know, it's you've got to have this mind where, like, okay, this is the beauty sector and this is where you're working with, you know, brides and the etiquette working with that versus all the way down, like, and this is the blood and gore, <laughs> you know, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. So that, I think, helped me expand my skill or, or question why I do things. When someone says, well, why do you do it that way? You're like, oh, why do I? I do it that way because, and then you, you know, kind of work out. <laughs> so I think it makes yourself a better artist because then you're like going through the steps, you're working through it. And that also helps you understand as well as the, the, you know, student kind of get why you do a certain thing a certain way. When you know the rules, you can break them, you know, that sort of stuff. But once you understand what you can do, it's like, okay, I can push the boundaries. Or I know how that works or counteracts or you may get a job and it's like, oh, I've never done that before. Has anyone done that before? How do I do this? You know, and just exploring and, and you know, getting creative and going, yeah, well, that didn't work. 
but this does, you know, working out yeah. exactly yeah. what it does. Wow, that's um, yeah, that's awesome. So I, so the teaching side of it, you are able to reflect on your practice and then further it from there, kind of thing. Definitely, it gave me time to do that, and also the resources. So when you're, you know, going through something, you're actually questioning why am I doing it this way? How am I going to deliver this to a class? When they and understanding the the basis of it, knowing your chemicals, knowing what's in your makeup, knowing the basis of it, understanding, you know, what works with what, what counteracts with what, that sort of thing, how you can layer things, what, you know, um, makeup sits nicely on camera versus theater versus, you know, those sort of elements as well. So you really need to help the student understand that as well. And if you don't understand it, you can't deliver that content, but you know, mm. you do understand mm. it and products are changing all the time. Like, Cameras are changing all the time. So you've got to keep up with, you know, what's going on. Wow. Okay. That's, um, yeah, I don't, uh, look, I'm coming in from a place where I have no understanding of the makeup world at all. I mean, I have some understanding from watching my partner put on makeup, but like, that's about it. The, you'd make it sound so much more technical than I had ever sort of yeah. thought about. It can um, be. Definitely when you're getting into your special effects and, you know, that sort of thing. Because you're, you're dealing with quite a lot of chemicals and you've got to get the ratios right. You've got to understand skin. You've got to understand barriers, uh, time frames, working reaction to chemicals, all that sort of thing. And especially over a long period of time, it might be great for one or two days. But if you're applying the same piece over and over, you've really got to take care of the skin. You've really got to look after your artist, you know, as well. It's very collaborative. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, that's – and so you've done a lot of talk about – your, your interest in the arts. Do you define yourself as an artist? That's a great question. And I still sort of struggle with that. Yeah, I really do. It's like, oh, I am I a valid artist? You know, sort of, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't go to university, but I have studied, you know, that sort of thing. So I'm not, you know, going to go pay a money or anything like that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I am an artist and I'm finding it more and more as I, I get through the industry, more comfortable with calling myself that. And uh, it's taken quite a bit of time I think for me to feel like I've earned that. So, you know, I've done my dues, I've done my time. And now I'm like, yeah, I, I, I fully call myself an artist. So yeah. there's so much background study and technique to it. I actually say, yes, we, we, we're a solid artist now. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, totally. It's. Do you think at, at the start when you don't have all that training under your belt and all that technical understanding, yeah. that's when you're, I guess you're an artist in training then, aren't you? Sure. I, oh, look, I, I love art and I love colour and, I, and I, I love the techniques, but it doesn't necessarily come easy to me. I have to work at it where some people, I, oh, they just walk in and it's just like three brush strokes and you're like, like really? <laughs> like you just ooze creativity and, you know, this incredible talent. And it's like, whoa, like, yeah. you know, sort of things so that people literally are just so creative and they're just born that way. And good on them like all power to them I, I'm just like have to like trudge away and work at it but you know it's, it's different horses for courses there's a million ways to do the same thing and that's my way that I have to do it but I I think yeah I think that's probably why I struggle more than other people going oh yes I'm an artist because they're they're blessed with the gift mm, yeah I see and it was a lot more difficult for you than others yeah of course yeah in, in reflection it's like I, I feel like I do a lot more background study and, and work and you know that sort of and I guess you look at the technique and you understand why or, or having that analytical mind or that curiosity mind of why. And mm -hmm. that's, that's where I've sort of gone, okay. And there's so many different facets to it as well. Like some people are incredible Instagram artists, incredible beauty artists, and others like Spectrum are phenomenal special effects artists. And they're all different elements. So they all take different techniques. I guess I'm a bit of a jack of all trades. I, I dabble in, you know, hair, makeup, special effects. So being an all-rounder, I think, is probably why it's taken me a lot longer. I haven't specialized in one particular field, but I've done a bit of everything. Oh, right. I see. I, let's, let's just go with this question. Okay. What was, what was your first cinemagraphic gig? Okay. So my first one straight out of school was on a creature sci-fi, which was <laughs> so amazing uh, in the fact that we got, you know, special effects, we got hair, we got wigs, we got hot actors running around, you know, we've got lots of these crazy creatures with electronics. And so one minute, you know, it's, it's so classy when you're like, you know, taking off this beautiful prosthetic in summer in sun, in, you know, sunny Queensland and there's 
quite a lot of, you know, <laughs> extra yeah. pieces going on and glues and that sort of stuff to then, you know, um, some, some great beauty, you know, makeup and, and lots of creatures in uh, masks and that sort of thing. So that really opened my eyes to like the possibilities on one production, there could be in everything, you know, the beauty through the creatures. And that really, I guess, launched me in the fact that I was allowed to have a go at all different aspects of it. It wasn't just a starting out in formals or bridals, which is a lot of people do because that's where the money is and that's where the work is. Uh, I was really lucky to get onto this, you know, kind of creature feature and um, explore those opportunities. And that, I feel really blessed for, do you know what I mean? And I've still got friends, like friends that we met on that shoot are still some of my really good friends today. That's awesome. It is. And so so that was your very first gig, and so you got a chance to do a little bit of everything. Uh-huh. Where did this gig take you from there? Was it back to teaching and then you found another one or did it? Well, then I, uh, well, that was, it was a little bit disappointing in the fact that that was meant to go into a TV show. So we did a pilot, a movie length pilot, and unfortunately wow. it fell over. So that was my first like bum, bum, moment. <laughs> you know, you have to kind of re, you know, pick yourself up and dust yourself off and go, all right, reset. Is this really what you want to do? And this is like, and I'm like, yep, this lights me up. This inspires me. This is hard, but I'm going to do it. So yeah. I ended up looking for other opportunities and what came along was collaborating with universities, university students who are doing film and cinema and television. I found that the uni students really love to go big and bold straight off. It's not two people in the library. You know, it's all the first one I worked on was a zombie film. So it was a horror zombie film. That was It was a little bit rogue and and everyone was green, which is great because you can make mistakes and no one's like, you're fired. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was all very fantastic running around the forest and lots of friends and family were helping out, like grandmothers and mothers would turn up and like lunch is ready, you know, kind of a thing. So, so that was, it was a fun element. And again, it was in summer. Yeah. We're always shooting in summer. I remember running around going, asking the zombies, can they please stop licking their edible blood off themselves? (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. And it was a very like, wow, I, this is now my job description. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would have been crazy. It was, it was. So it, that was lots of fun, lots of touch-ups, lots of reapplying, you know, running and sweating, you know, having blood dribbles off and, you know, you're like, can you just please stop licking your blood off? <laughs> <laughs> we know you can do it, just please stop doing it. Exactly, exactly. And, again, I still um, have worked with this director, you know, who that was one of his first shows and now he's like an award-winning director and he's doing, you know, this amazing things and he's now lecturing at uni as well so having that relationship has really maintained over the years and you know he's jumped in and out of jobs and I've come and helped him for different ones um you know from zombies through to people you know hooked up to special effects and dying to you know doing award-winning shows that have gone into national festivals so yeah and period pieces and things like that that's been a really good collaboration that you know getting in with um students as well at the time you grow together and through the industry, that's that was really uh, a turning point for me. Yeah, right. Mm. So do you think as a makeup artist, like a cinemagraphic makeup artist, it's integral to make connections and sort of Definitely. do some, yeah, it's a lot of who you know kind it of is. thing? It is. It's networking. It's a lot of, I, I find it easy because I, I love my industry and I get, I really get on with it. I have so many amazing friends, you know, in this industry from like all sorts of departments. So it's great that when you do go to industry events and you do go to talks or to demos and things like that, it's like, hey, hey, what are you up to? You know, sort of thing. So it's really connecting. It's not actually going out marketing like here I am, here I am. It's like just showing your face and like re sort of solidifying those uh, already friendships and connections and working relationships you have with people, having your face there knowing you're like, oh, yeah, you know, fresh in their mind, that sort of thing. I'm not particularly good at, like, marketing myself, so I find that as a bit of a softer way of doing it, but it works. For me, it works, you know. Um, All power to people who can go and, you know, get out there and and bang drums and, you know, kind of, like, create attention to themselves, and and that works for different people. It just depends what you want to do, where you want to go. For the film industry, it works works for me that way because it is based – on so heavily, you know, those onset like relationships that you build up with people over the years, over time. And, and that's, uh, it's important. It is you to be a, an all round kind of person that's happy to help out, happy to take phone calls, happy to, you know, be in, in that environment where you want to do the best of your ability. Cause we're all piece of the puzzle, you know, no mm-hmm. one's there for 
you know, wasting time. It's basically you've got a job to do. You've got to get in and do it to the best of your ability. And you can go, yeah, oh, I've got a job. Oh, who's on? Oh, great. You know, that's the person I've worked with them before. You get to know their rhythm. You get to know what they like. And it just makes it easier. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, um, I definitely think that's something that seems to span over all of the arts is definitely networking and and just being an all-round good person so people want to work with you is definitely something to uh, to strive for. For sure. For sure. <laughs> if you're spending 14, 15 hours a day with, you know, certain people, you want to like them. Mm. You want to get on with I mean, of course, everyone I, – I like to call it like you're in the micro bubble when you're, you're on set. Like, you just want to know what, what time is starting, what's coming up, what's in the next scene, prepping for that, what's kind of knockoff time, when are we back tomorrow? It's the rest of the world sort of disappears a little bit because you're in such a in hectic environment and there's so much going on. There's so many moving parts that, yeah, you sort of go, when did that happen? Oh, mm. okay. You know, so like, you don't really, really kind of know what's going on in the outside world because you're so you know in this bubble that's going on. And, yeah, you really want to like the people you're working with and be easy to work with for sure. Mm. Yeah, and prove that you can do it. <laughs> prove that you can do your job. Yeah. So I, I think you... You gave this example, there, there are so many facets to the makeup world. Mm-hmm. Would, could you try and define like a makeup artist? Is it all about like the, the special effects? Is it, is it all about the hair? What, what about the contouring? Like I'm just throwing <laughs> things out that I know. Like, Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> someone's been listening uh so yeah that it's that's quite a layered question and I'll, I'll do my best so within saying that hmm, depending each job is different so when I um on in a position as head of department I'll go through and I'll do a script breakdown and then I'll do a character breakdown so that's when I'm working on set and that may, might be on a commercial and it could be for a full feature film or a short or something like that so I'll work out what the elements are required, what is the uh, director, what is the vision of the film, you know, and heads of department all come together and they talk it out and work out and we problem solve that way. Then, you know, if I'm doing a bride, you know, that's a, it's a different skill set I'm pulling out. You know, I want to know if they want airbrushing or if they want natural or do they want, you know, beauty, do they want flowing curls, do they want upstyle and all your prep that goes into that. I guess by then you, you bring out your toolbox for each particular job that you can do. Do you definitely think that having a jack-of-all-trades approach to your industry has assisted in getting you work? For sure. Well, yes, it has for me. I mean, some people who are just like in the works, the, the special effects workshops, that's all they're known for and that's where they go to. They're the people that you, you know, you you know that they do it every day, all day, and they're the ones you specialise. So I may even go to them and because I can understand what I want out of a prosthetic or a design, I'll be collaborating with them, but I might not have a particular equipment to run it or to bring it out in time. I might not have the time, you know, I've got to dedicate to everything else. So I will bring them in and and collaborate with them and say, hey, can you guys, this is the design, this is what we're looking for, this is the actor, here are the measurements, blah, blah, blah. And then I will outsource to them if it's a particular thing, especially time, budget, all that sort of thing comes into it. So within saying that, it it does work for them to be specialised. But for me, having been an all-rounder, I think I've got a lot more work from it. I think that I found that within Australia, it's very different to America. And I've noticed that there has been a slight change in our environment and development with the big blockbusters coming in. Like you might get booked to do hair, makeup and a bit of special effects. So if there's, you know, a whole heap of people doing one thing in one day, they can pull you out of one department and put you into another one because they know you can do it. They know that you're, you know, you're in there, you're, you're working, you know the equipment, you know how to apply it, you know how to remove it and reset it. Versus if you're coming in just doing one particular thing, it can go either way. It really can. But I have found for me, it definitely has been something where um, when I was saying Americans productions or the big blockbusters come in, they don't mess around with two different departments. They all have hair, makeup and special effects. They don't usually cross over. They're just dedicated. And I think it's more of a union based thing where as Australia, you are a lot of the time pulled in to do a bit of makeup, a bit of hair, a bit of special effects. So in saying that, yeah, I have got a lot of work because I can do a bit of everything. But yeah, the the climate is changing a little bit with uh, yeah those big big ones coming through. That's really interesting. Okay, it seems like seems like Australia seems to just have this kind of like 
don't know, throw it all together. We're going to make it work. You, you can, you know how to do that. Come over here. Whereas I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's the fact that they have more money or you said it had something to do with unions. Yes. Did you say? Yeah, the Americans, well, I'm not an expert on it, but from, you know, what I, I have learned is that you are employed as a hair hairstylist or a makeup artist or a special effects, you know, special effects department, and they will pull in their own teams and their own people. They run completely individually, where in Australia a lot of the time we're all in the one trailer, we're all working, it's like, oh, hey, I need hands over here, oh, can you help me here, that sort of thing. So it is it is very um, segregated over there, where here is a lot, you know, every, everyone's in if you've got that skill base. Right, that's really interesting. It's mid-roll time. I hope you've been enjoying the interview so far. Nat has a lot to say, and she says it very quickly. <laughs> the more information, the better, I say. So, uh, only update in my life is that I've been working through a short film script uh, being filmed late July, early August, and I'm very excited about that. It's nice to be working on acting work that isn't related to uni, um, and I'm also the only actor, so that's a little scary, but I so welcome the challenge. It's going to be so good. Things have been happening in the creative sector in Australia as well. For those who don't know, um, major alterations to funding are occurring in the universities as of 2021, I believe. Uh, so from my current understanding, and I implore you to go research it for yourself because I'm not an expert, but my current understanding is that Arts degrees are now, uh, or as of 2021, will be a almost fully paid for degree. So that means the government will almost completely stop its subsidies towards that course. So this means that it'll, it'll almost be fully you paying for it and the cost of these courses will dramatically rise. And these increases seem to have been almost framed as a way to lower the cost of other degrees, especially from those in the STEM fields because of moving on economically after COVID and everything like that. But what I recently found out is that the course cost is lowering. So STEM fields are lowering in cost, but the funding the unis receive for each student in that course is also being cut. So it means you get cheaper degrees, but there's less money for that degree. So basically you get an overall decrease in the quality of the course because there's an inability to acquire the proper resources to teach you what you need to know. So that's a lot, that's uni related. Then as of recording this, so the 25th of June, I listened to a press conference this morning, earlier this morning, concerning the creative arts held by Scott Morrison. And so what's being put in place is a $250 million grant grant-based system for the arts sector, which is good. I'm unsure how this works as of yet, but you should definitely look into it. I plan to as well. And, and ScoMo had a meeting with members of the creative field, and he seems to have come out of that meeting with a greater understanding of the economic issues facing this industry. But when you couple it with what's happening to the, to the universities, uh, I'm... Uh, look, I'm just unsure as to where all this is going. Early days yet, but yeah, it's it'll be interesting. But yeah, they are two things, if you're interested, that you should go and learn about because they are big changes. And finally comes this week's shout out. So yesterday I watched a full hour performance by a lovely person called Tara Dowler. It was called Wuckers on the Web, and it was this pay what you can performance that was live uh, live streamed on youtube and this performance was a musical comedy and it was set in tara's head in a psychologist's appointment i think i did unfortunately miss the first 10 minutes of it but there is a twist at the end as well so ooh. i never actually got to meet tara i don't think if i did i was almost definitely inebriated but i know tara was in my exterior circles when i was in melbourne and so Tara is this amazing performer, and if you're interested, I'll put a link to their Facebook and Insta in the show notes. It's well worth it. Very funny. So Tara's ability to speak on both political spheres, but also 
tap into a few of this generation's, uh, I would say, shared thoughts and experiences are well on the nose and are spot on. It's it's very good. So I did watch the live showing of Tara's work, but you can still find it available for the next two weeks. And I'll also throw that in the show notes and pay what you can. And so, yeah, that will do us for the mid-roll. I will see you guys right at the end. What's, what's the difference between, let's say, like, doing makeup on yourself mm-hmm. and doing makeup on film? Is there a big difference? Like, what kind of things are you looking for when you put makeup sure. on in film? Sure. So the first thing I would be looking at, again, as I was saying, is being collaborative with other team members and talking to the director, talking to the DP, talking to the lighting crew, that sort of thing, to know what they're going to light the environment like is really important. So if I use a standard everyday makeup, it may not read nicely on camera, especially with the HDs and the reds and things like that, that I, I need to know a certain amount what's going on in the camera so I know that how it will read, the makeup will read, particularly if you're using prosthetics because the cameras are so sensitive now. They can read that it's like dead skin versus where the warmth of the blood undertone is. So you wow. need to warm up the undertone of your prosthetic to match. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of that going on that you need to understand how it's going to look, how it's going to read. We do camera tests, uh, how it's going to look on that particular actor. It may be environmental. They could be swimming. It could be drowning in the rain. It could be, you know, running, you know, that sort of thing. So knowing how your products behave, how they work, and uh, what they're going to do in that environment is really important. And knowing how it is going to look, you can manipulate that you know, for your particular environment. Certainly, um, you, you've seen some celebrities who have been caught out like on the red carpet when a flash goes off and there's like these white highlights sort of things. So they've used makeup um, that hasn't been camera tested. And so that gives like a flashback. So that could be the, the, the ingredients in them have far more reflective tendencies versus something that in a makeup industry, you would use something that is obviously like FDA approved, that has been tried and tested, and usually it's like double milled, and so it's really quite fine. And I mean, you you, you want guys to look amazing on camera, but you also don't want to look like they're wearing a full face of cake makeup. Mm. So you need to really like get that technique of buffing it in or prepping the skin properly, uh, using the right products for that particular actor. Versus if you're going on theatre, you're doing theatre jobs and you want the person in the very back row to see that character makeup. If you're going quite light and refined, it's like, I can't see what they're wearing. Like, what are they doing? So it has to be bold and it has to be big and that sort of thing. So they're different to how you would cut, like approaching a job, depending on, again, lighting, what they're going to be doing, people in the back row. So, yeah, once again, it's all integral to know that behind the scenes kind of knowledge. For sure. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you might be in trouble. You, yeah, you can be. And sometimes that is a bit of, oh, I didn't realise that was going to behave that way or that was going to look that way, that sort of thing. Or, you know, they may change it in post. And I've almost been stitched up once where I was doing doing a shoot and um, they didn't tell me they were going to flip it to black and white to do like a, a, you know, a time jump sort of a thing. And obviously when you're shading and contouring and using different lights, it will look so different in your black and white versus in, in colour. I'm really pleased I was switched on and went, what was that? Excuse me? <laughs> like, mm. what are we doing? Because <laughs> it was just a spare of the moment. It hadn't been anything planned. It was just like, oh, yeah, we're going to change that now. And so I was really like I just happened to be in the vicinity and hear that. If I was back in the trailer, I would have no idea and would have shot it and it would have come back and I would be going, what happened Black there? lines and like, yeah. Of what's going on? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So you need to know your shades and your tones and understand, especially with your highlighting and shading, you don't want them to suddenly look completely chiseled where it's meant to be this soft romantic look. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Is, is there a lot of work for makeup artists in Australia that you've yes. found? Yes and no. Okay, so okay. like you're talking before with the, you know, getting out there and marketing yourself and, you know, being relevant, that sort of thing is really important. Like for me, I have been lucky and I've bubbled along and jumped from, you know, job to job, that sort of a thing. And I think, yes, there is work there, 
the market is flooded. I'm not going to lie. The market is flooded. It's very competitive now. It wasn't really an option. Like when I went to school, I didn't like go, oh, I'm going to be a makeup artist when I leave. It wasn't. It was like, you know, well, you look for the uni, the UF book. And I'm like, well, what do I want to do? You know, sort of a thing. Yeah. So, but now it's like you can make a living, a really good living on Instagram, on, you know, getting out there. And that's just you in your bedroom doing what you do, um, that sort of stuff. So, yes, there, there's always going to be not present time, but normal times there is always going to be bridal there's always going to be graduations and formals and your special occasions that is a lot of where people make their bread and butter you do kind of sacrifice your weekends because everyone's off when you're working and you know during the week sort of thing there is like education is really important now and I think it's in it is an integral part of our job to know like we're talking about all those things you know knowing your background knowing your products knowing how your products behave knowing what they look like under different lighting but within saying that, you need to be educated by people who know what they're talking about. Right. Anyone can be on the internet. Ah, oh, I see, I see, yeah. Yeah, and, and there's sometimes a bit of pushback from it going, but I saw this on Instagram. And I was like, yes, but licking a cotton tip is not industry standard. <laughs> Let's avoid that. What the hell? Four costs, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yes, there is a lot of information out there, but you sometimes need to mine through, you know, and sift through and find what is appropriate, what is quality good education and what's going to, you know, project you further in your career. And you'll pick up hints and tips. Every, there's a, a school, you know, that you can teach everybody the same techniques, same style, and everyone will go, oh, I like that one better, or I like this, or I'm really good at this, or I can perfect that, I found that difficult, whatever, everyone will like come at it from a different point of view. So yeah, definitely getting out there, like, and I always say to my students, you know, just because you've got a piece of paper, don't think someone's going to come knocking on your door and go, hey, you're amazing, you're awesome, come work with me. You need to be proving in class that you can actually turn up on time. You can be pleasant to work with. You are organized. You are prepared. You can think on your feet. That's a really tricky one because you're throwing curveballs all the time when you're in the workplace. Things change. And so it's not just your artistic skill. It's personality skill as well. And that's what will project you further as being a bit of an all-rounder, being an all-round good guy, you know, sort of a thing. (laughs) Actually being pleasant to work with is really important because I, from students, I look at and I will give them, you know, they say, oh, can you be, you know, a referee for me? And I'll be like, sure, yeah, I, I can be because I know them. I know what they're going to do. And I've got trust in that if I do recommend them, they are going to be a reflection of, you know, doing the right thing versus if, you know, someone doesn't turn up, they're, they're really, you know, not being hygienic, they're, you know, that sort of stuff. So if you find you're an amazing artist, but you might need to work on tidying your kit, work on that facet. You know, if you've already got the other one nailed down, Vice versa, if you've got all your, you know, um, workplace tools and equipment and that sort of stuff is all organized and you're a completely, you know, neat freak, awesome, work on the artistic side. So it's a bit of a balance. So being someone who, like we're saying, wants to be out in the industry, who wants to be working, who can do the job to the best of their ability at the work standards and, and be out there doing the right thing, you can get work. It's just a matter of actually knocking on a few doors, being a bit different um, not, not being in people's faces. I've had the opposite way where, you know, I'll have people contact me like every week and it's like, I would love to give you a job, but we're all in quarantine. So thank you. Oh, <laughs> not no. I can do right now. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm, I'm always looking for work as well. It's, you know, just because I'm, you know, a different way along the line of in my career doesn't mean I'm not looking for work as well. So it's all a matter of who knows who, who's best for the right job who can get in and do that, that sort of thing. So, uh, yes, there is work. It might just be a matter of working out what you want to do. If you just want to dedicate yourself to being a horror special effects artist, you may need to move overseas. Oh, okay. You may need to explore or do Halloween things. I mean, that sort of stuff there. I, I was head of department at Movie World for Fright Nights a couple of years ago, and that was amazing. You know, I had a team of 80 students, and we had to get, 200 plus people ready in character and my challenge was is that they were all students pretty much and we had 20 minutes per character in the middle of summer <laughs> in oh Australia. My, oh, it's always summer jesus yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well halloween is you know end of october there's always yeah. a heat around then here so you know there there are always going to be challenges but you can find things you know some people work on characters in their head all year for halloween you know you might go more into cosplay stuff you know because people are doing different trade shows or different character work collaborate with other characters other people other artists 
but it can take a long time to develop that too. If you're doing a full suit and creature and it could be, whether it be a zombie or whether it be a werewolf, that can take a lot of time. That's a lot of hair punching. That's a, a lot of kind of fiddly detail that could take you months to do it. So yeah, you just got to find what works for you, where you want to go, try a bit of everything because you don't know you might love it until you try it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, that can be really fun when you're covered in mud and blood out in the field somewhere in the middle of the night. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. memorable <laughs> memorable night. memorable at least at least yeah. yeah that's no that's awesome i think yeah it, it seems to be like i didn't really think about how wide the sort of definition of makeup artistry is that the amount of like you can specialize to such a degree or you can sort of cover all of them yeah. it's um there's so much variety in it that's really cool do what works for you you know, you do you, whatever you feel comfortable with and what you want. Sometimes people want to challenge themselves and go, I have no idea about this, but go and do some study, go and do some training, do some education and have a pay, have a fiddle at home, get some products in and, and just, you know, explore and see how they behave. And um, yeah, you may find that you really love sculpting or molding or applying eyelashes or whatever, whatever you're into. Mm, yeah. Um. So I, I want to switch tacks now because you just, is, is there things that actors do on set that really, really annoy you? Like <laughs> rubbing their face or like... <laughs> You're trying to stitch me up here, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so politically, no, they're all fantastic. <laughs> okay, perfect. But okay, okay. For my... Yeah, what, yeah. I get you as an actor, what, what do I do wrong? And a lot of it is completely subconscious. You know, so like scratching your head like this, you may even create a, like a little hair loop and you're like, okay, that's their thing. You know, they, you know, it might be a nervous thing that they, you know, twitch their nose or sit like this, you know, kind of a thing. And you're like, okay, well now the heat of their hands is smushed and changed and heated, you know, that's the coming. So once you know an actor or performer's, you know, little idiosyncrasies, you keep an eye on it. It's like, I'm watching you. Wow. <laughs> sort of a thing and it's nothing bad at, well not particularly if it's becoming a thing where it's holding up production it might be like so hey are you aware that you do this <laughs> you know yeah. sort of a and they're like oh my god I had no idea but you don't want to impact on the performance either so as much as we're all collaborative you've got to work out okay I'm just going to go in and do a touch-up like I'm not someone who helicopters and and goes in and, and touches up every single kind of cut uh, it's not necessary. And I don't want to take the actor out of the performance. Like if they're in that headspace, you want them to stay there so that they can, can bring to their best their ability. So um, I will only go in if something is like really flagging, you know, or, com or completely change from the wide to the mid to the close up, that sort of stuff. So yes, there is certain particular things, but sometimes just having a little chat going, so hey, <laughs> mm. Let's work together on this so I don't have to keep coming in and, you know, annoying you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the time you can just be invisible, you know, like you get, you get a real rapport with particular artists so and actors and it's just a matter of like they know and they trust you. They just kind of, it's, it's an unwritten thing. It's like you, they know you're there but you're not there. You know, you're, you're kind of invisible. You do your thing, that sort of thing. Um, a lot of the time I might just touch them on the shoulder just to know like it's me and I'm just – but I won't say anything. Like if you just come in and stick a pin in them, they might, you know, jump and yeah. that sort of thing. So, yeah, you, you want to be quite caring and quite nice about it. But if they're unaware and then you can just subtly, you know, mention to them that they are doing that, it might subconsciously stop them from doing it all the time. It could be a character trait too. Mm. That's the other thing where you might need to go in and, and redo or reapply or recreate whatever the case is. I did have one actor who didn't like the edge of their prosthetic, so they started picking at it and they didn't realise it was subconscious things. So by, you know, halfway <laughs> during the scene, it's like starting to <laughs> flag a little bit. It's, yeah. you know, no idea. He had no idea he was doing it. It's just, oh, there's something to play with. Oh, there's something to, to you know, whilst he's, you know, delivering a line, everyone's just going, <laughs> what are you doing? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so once he was made aware of it, he's like, hands down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was fine. It was fine. It was just subconscious. Yeah, that sort of thing. I'd like to think actors don't do things deliberately. Yeah, I, because, I would hope so too. But you know, yeah, if people are people, maybe some do. <laughs> <laughs> maybe some people like the attention of fussing on them. You know, true, sort of true. Uh, yeah, I think I would. I, I think about it as it would be quite annoying constantly having someone like 
dab, 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 like, oh, get out of my face, you know, sort of a thing, so. Yeah, I, that's definitely something I was not ready for when I stepped onto the set of four was all these makeup artists coming up and just like, I'm just standing there getting ready for my scene. And then all of a sudden there's someone in my face like, da 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 And I definitely wasn't like, I wasn't prepared for it, but I definitely never took it in a way like, oh, that's annoying. Yeah. It was definitely always like, oh, no, this is just their job and I like I just need to be okay with that kind of thing. And I think it's also like if you've got a good rapport with your actor and you're in the trailer and they can see themselves, they're covered in mud and you're like, okay, we have to go block through and then we'll add the wet bloods and the you know wet runs and things like that later or the tears or whatever the case may be. I think an actor then, you know, will go, okay, well, that's I'm halfway in character. I'll go do my block through. And then, I mean, sometimes you come back to the trailer. Sometimes you don't have the time. you just got to do it on set. So if they trust you, because you're not sitting in, a mar- in front of a mirror anymore, so you've got to trust the person looking at you that they've got your back, you know. Yeah. Your character. So you can work on what you're going to deliver, that you they need to go, okay, yeah, you've got me, you've got my back, I know what you're going to do, and I trust you. So I think that's important too if they, if they – and also continuity comes into it or the director's had a quiet ear word in your ear going, amp it up sort of a yeah. thing. It's like, Okay. Okie dokie. Yeah. What's, like, speaking of working with actors, uh, what's it like working with larger, bigger name actors? Is it any different from just working with other actors? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I know know where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yes and no, again, it's a bit of a question. Individuals. You know, some people are great. Some people are awesome. I've had some interesting times with lower end actors you know who are just like okay so I had an actor sit in my chair quote his makeup number and just do this Jesus like yeah and I thought it was a joke I was like ah, oh, oh no you're serious you know, oh like, god so, here we go just a deadly serious person like that's just how he was like this is my job you do this this is me this is what I'm used to and I'm in my bubble my zone I'm like okay that's how we're doing this where others are like yeah I'm a piece of the puzzle or they're an executive producer now you know that sort of thing they they carry far more weight that sort of stuff yes again it's an individual thing I I love working with people you know right from grassroots up to you know kind of VIPs I talking about that I thought I would have been a little bit starstruck only not that I do that but I thought when Johnny Depp was on set, because he's such a character actor. He is someone who I, you know, I grew up with going, oh, wow, you know, he does incredible characters. And I thought if I was going to get starstruck, it would be him, but it wasn't. It's just like, oh, yeah, JD's on set, you know, kind of a thing. And, you know, it's it's really lovely to see, you know, he was here for his birthday on Pirates and, you know, we all sung Happy Birthday and we're all, you know, in this massive uh, set and there was 300 people sort of a thing. And he came out of character and he was just really humble and really like kind of like emotional and teared up and went, oh, thank you, everybody. Like, like he really, you know, saw, you, know, you see him oh. as a person, not as the character. So so that was nice to see. Some people are just awesome to work with. They're, what you see on set and what you see on camera, you know, J- Dwayne Johnson, say, you know, in San Andreas was, was like that. He came to set one day. He wasn't even filming, but we were doing this epic scene where the the building crashes over and people are, this kitchen goes on fire and the building's coming down. And, like, it was a big reset. It was like a three- or four-hour reset, so we could only do two takes in a day. Jesus. Yeah, so um, there's lots of wounds and dust and, you know, that sort of stuff on people. And he took the time to come over, and on that I was an additional, and he was just like, hey, ladies, thank you so much for your time and effort today really great job looking awesome and he didn't have to do that just it was a, and he had mm. a bit of a chat you know that's sort the of thing so that was really nice and then the next day we all got an email from the ep and, and from him saying thank you to everybody who was on set did for the epic day yesterday little like a little acknowledgement go a long way a little thank you or if this massive mega star you know blockbuster star takes time out of his day to go well done guys good honest well we did well as a team so yeah but that i think really helps i think if you're a bit of a not such a nice person you may not go that far in the industry <laughs> unless you are like incredible super good like, yeah like absolutely blow right out of the water sort of thing because no one really wants to work with over the top drama mm. sort of thing it, it's just unnecessary everyone's putting in the extra time and energy and effort again yeah it's a bit of an individual thing and also getting to know them too like if i've got a particular actor in my my chair every day 
I'll get to them to know them a lot more than if they're a day player who comes in and out. Um, you get to know each other. You have your in-jokes. Um, sometimes you travel the world with them. So it's like, hey, I'll see you in the next week in New Zealand or I'll see you next month in Minneapolis. And that's always exciting. I mean, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in Minneapolis at the moment, so I've been checking in with my friends who are filming over there. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're all going, okay. So it does become a global family. Yeah, that's really cool. I think I, I'm actually just working on I'm releasing episode eight in two days yeah and he he was a cinematographer and his motivations for getting into art was that it was a community he was like yeah okay I do get paid for it so that's all good but it was like I get into it because it's such a community feeling and that's and that's also really what you've kind of painted here is that it's like once you know people and once you're in it's like oh hey I haven't seen you for a couple of months, but it's yeah. good to see you again. I know you were working down in wherever it was or like stuff like that. Yeah. So do you think it's, it is a really big community? I call them my film family and I have lots of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, so, like you were saying before, you know, um, like I, I had traveled, you know, and with a particular actor, you, you um, asked me in the questions, the pre-questions about Mike Deput, and he was the one I was talking about, you know, before, like, he's great. It's amazing. It, it's It's awesome when you're like, doing something in, in your television room in Australia and you go, I know that voice. And you look up and it's like, it's your mate, Mike, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, hey, Mike. Like, so, awesome. sort of thing. That, that is really cool. And you're like, you know, you see him a little message. Hey, so you on such and such, you know, sort of a thing. And he gets like a thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> so hope you well, have okay. You know, that sort of thing. So he, when I worked with him, he played this intense, serious agent in traveling the world, hunting down, you know, he was like the bad guy. And I just have this clear memory of we did this car chase in New Zealand and he pulled up and he pulls his gun out and he runs into the forest and then he's like, bang, bang, bang. And then he, you know, hands it over to once the end of the scene hands it to the armorer and turns around and starts doing this like little dance. <laughs> what? And the wind's blowing and he's got his hair, you know, and the wind and it's like such a Titanic moment. And it's, it's so funny. Like I just get the giggles when I see Mike now <laughs> because I know him as a person. He's a great guy. He's really professional. He turns up, he does his job. He's great to work with. He'll help you as much as he can. You know, he's like carried his makeup kit back to America when we, because my, my luggage was over. Wow. <laughs> so he carried his personal makeup kit back with him. You, know, you work as a team, you work as a group, and you do become friends and family. And as I said, like I'm, I'm caring about my mates who I worked with in America at the moment. A couple of my friends are, are based out of LA and they don't want to come back to Oz because if they come out, they can't get back into America. And, you know, we've got work pending over there. So it will be advantageous for them to stay there, even though it's hard at the moment. In the long, long run, we're going to be doing some stuff over there. So that's why they're you know, bunkering down there at the moment. Um, that sort of thing. So having really strong relations with different people. And it's great. You know, when I do work overseas, I can go, hey, I know someone who's local. I can pull them in as day players or I can call, call them in as locals. So I think that's really important to, yeah, we're, we're a big global family. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, you make it sound cozy I kind of like it it's uh it kind of makes me excited to get more into the art world and yeah yeah find where I love everyone but you you click with the right people yeah of course of course sometimes you're just like you're having a bad day yep let's just move on reset tomorrow yeah yeah Yeah. um I'm I'm happy to ask the last question now if you're ready for it um so it's just if you could give advice to your younger self what would you say yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's basically for me, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't take things as personal because it's not always personal. It can just be someone like having a bad day or venting and getting it over and done with reset tomorrow. I guess it's it's something along the lines of stay true to your path, stay true to you, do what makes you happy. Success isn't necessarily the same thing for everybody. So, you know, what do what is going to make you feel good when you go to sleep at night and go, yeah, I had a good day today. You know, you may not completely paint the Picasso, but you did the best of your ability. You did a great job and you really enjoyed it and you, you're excited to go to work again tomorrow. I guess that is is probably what I tell myself. Just stay, stay, stay to your path. Yeah, I love that. It's there's definitely like I say this every time I ask someone this question, but there's definitely similarities in every artist that the advice they give 
them the, the younger version of themselves is always just keep going like don't worry do your journey it'll turn out all right roadblocks like, there'll be detours i don't think anyone does a path that's completely panned out for them you know like it you you do the this kind of yeah, <laughs> yeah. i want to be here but we went this way to get there <laughs> yeah 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 thank you so much for talking to me today Hi. i have many thoughts to go away from this interview with which is um okay. which is really cool i always love that kind of stuff yeah um, well, and i really appreciate it I'm, I'm pleased that you're you're interested and it's it's great i think a diversity and understanding you know where we come from as an individual as a group as a you know a industry yeah absolutely I, that's definitely important right yeah okay well thank you very much nat thank you an absolute pleasure to have Nat on the podcast and I genuinely think I learned a lot. It it really helped me to dispel any kind of negative stereotypes of the makeup sector that I had in my head. Um, I often think that the makeup department can be easily overlooked and labelled as just a bit of powder or something to that effect, which is Nat made abundantly clear it is a little bit more than that. So I'm glad I had the chance to speak to her. And thank you so much for being with me for 10 episodes. There are still 13 interviews left for this year, and they include a range of artists in all sorts of professions, and I've already lined them all up. And also I have a bonus sort of summary episode for the end of the year too. So it'll be 24 episodes all up, which I'm very excited about. Uh, as always, if you'd like to get in contact with the podcast, head over to the Facebook page or send an email to anactorandamike at gmail.com. Next episode is a special one because I get to catch up with Blake again from episode one. And we will touch base about how our time in COVID has gone. And I've also, which is making it the special part, I've also been smashing a bunch of research about what the average artist is like in Australia. So when it comes to occupation, earnings, education, where grant money goes, how you get grant money, what the industry will look like post-COVID, all these sorts of things. And I am very much looking forward to speaking to Blake about these things and sort of seeing where we go from there. So yeah, until then, keep making art and being spectacular. Spectacular.